This podcast is supported by Apollo Global Management. Ensuring a brighter, bolder future means investing in tomorrow, today. That's why Apollo is financing solutions to some of the world's most complex challenges. Learn more at Apollo.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to At Barron's. I'm Andy Serwer, and welcome to our guest, Steve Schwartzman, CEO of Blackstone. Steve, great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Andy. So why don't we start off um, by me asking you to assess the U.S. and global economies right now. Are things starting to pick back up? I understand maybe deal flow is starting to perk up a little bit for you guys. Yeah, well, deal flow is uh, picking up. We did six deals in six weeks after pretty... Um, moribund period uh, for the, for earlier uh, in the year, but but just speaking about the economy, uh, the economy's held up quite well uh, in the United States, um, and um, the, the reason is the consumer uh, is doing very well. Surprisingly, uh, they had a lot of savings uh, from the COVID period. Uh, they've spent that down, uh, but they've gotten used to buying things. So now they're borrowing money in addition. Uh, and then there was a special stimulus program. This one not passed by the government, but it was the increase in the stock market. Uh, what I've found uh, over my career is that people don't spend uh, a set percentage of their net income uh, they they do uh, spend a set percentage of their net worth. So when the stock market goes up to the extent that, that people uh, have an exposure, uh, they'll spend more money. Uh, and, and that's another uh, shot in the arm. What we are seeing, because of the higher Fed interest rates, is the rate of growth uh, in our companies, which are pretty widely held, we own... 250 companies with 750,000 uh, employees, so it's a pretty big uh, sample, uh, is, is uh, each quarter uh, growth is slowing 1% to 2%, roughly. That, that doesn't mean uh, we're, we're negative. It just means the rate of growth just keeps going down, which is exactly what you would expect with the Federal Reserve taking a very uh, aggressive posture. The other thing that's really worth noting, uh, because it's not typically what the financial press uh, writes or reports, is that inflation uh, is, is pretty much uh, at that 2% level already. And the reason uh, we know that uh, is starting in July, uh, our portfolio companies were telling us that that their input costs, the stuff they buy, um, was sort of zero. Uh, and the inflation that was left in the economy was labor, which was going up around 4%. Uh, now, the government just recently reported, I think it was 3.4%. Mm, right. But to do that, they also published that shelter, uh, which is 30% of the index, uh, was up 6.2%. Uh, 6 now, uh, at Blackstone, we're the largest owner 
uh, of shelter uh, in the United States, right. apartment buildings, rents. So let's assume we know something about mm -hmm. what's actually happening. Right. And, and that increase in rents uh, today is somewhere between zero and one percent. So, so the numbers that the Fed is using uh, are, are overstated uh, by at least 5.2%. So if you multiply that by 0.3, which is the 30% component, the numbers are off somewhere around 1.5% to 1.7%. If you deduct that 1.5% from 3.4%, you're right around 2 or a little below it. So, so the Fed has done a pretty remarkable job, actually. But you're saying the Fed doesn't realize that. And what do you think about their rate policy? Well, first of all, do you see higher, longer? Are you looking for rate cuts this year? Do you think there should be rate cuts? Well, if, if you actually were a two, you'd be thinking uh, about cutting rates. They're using different numbers, so they'll be slower. Uh, uh, I, I think that, um, and I don't think this is controversial at all, uh, that, that, that of course they're going to be cutting rates this year. The, the only question is when. Uh, since they're using different numbers, it won't be early. It'll be later. Are those the wrong uh, numbers, you mean? I, I think they're the wrong numbers, yes. Uh, so, so, so you know, sometime in the second half of the year, if I had to guess. Though to us, uh, at Blackstone, it doesn't matter. Right. All, all that matters is the direction. Um, and the direction is going to be pretty clear. Uh, we've been saying this since August. During that time period, you know, there are people on television all the time saying higher for longer, 7% rates uh, for the 10-year. Uh, we, we looked at this and wondered what, what they were thinking. Uh, so I, I think because we're not outliers, and, and you know, we just report what we see. It's real data. Uh, it's not an economist informing you with how they think the world will work. So um, I think uh, kudos, frankly, uh, for the Fed. They, they actually have done a really pretty remarkable job. They just can't overstay. They're welcome uh, because if you keep going down yeah. revenue-wise in terms of growth, eventually you'll have an unfortunate outcome. They, they are too smart uh, to do that. What about commercial real estate? You mentioned real estate being a big part of your portfolio. Some people say there's a $3 trillion ticking time bomb of real estate that needs to be refinanced over the next couple of years. Is that going to be a problem? Well, real estate, commercial real estate isn't one thing, right? Uh, it, you know, there's sort of cars that go from like really slow old Volkswagens like I had in the 1960s to Ferraris. Uh, they, they operate differently. Uh, and in commercial real estate, uh, you, you have in the star category, 
doing very well, uh, warehouses, which are used for a variety of purposes, but have gotten a lot of impetus from home shopping. Mm. And, and that's a global concept. Uh, so so you know, 40% of what we own uh, are warehouses. Uh, and there's other kinds of real estate that's held up very well, like student housing and some other areas. Uh, on the other side, uh, there are office buildings, uh, and uh, office buildings that are older than 10 years uh, uh, have vacancies uh, on average uh, of 20%. Uh, in addition, mm -hmm. uh, the, the build, parts of the building that are rented, 20% of them don't have people in them. So, so um, you basically have somewhere between 35 to 40% of a building on average, uh, that's empty. There is no economic model that really has that building uh, being worth anything uh, for the entrepreneur who owns it or, or the institution who owns it unless it's completely unleveraged. Uh, and so, so you should expect uh, problems in that area, but because leases in America, for the most part, were 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, the, whatever difficulties you're going to have don't happen instantaneously. Uh, it sort of leaks into the economy uh, probably over five to seven years. Uh, and you know we, we think the losses uh, from that are easily handleable uh, on an annual basis uh, by the banking system. This podcast is supported by Apollo Global Management. As one of the world's largest alternative asset managers, Apollo is generating investment-grade credit, providing greater access to more resilient and diverse pools of capital, and helping to fill gaps in America's financial ecosystem. Learn more at apollo.com slash private credit. I have to ask you about the topic du jour at WEF this year, which is, of course, AI. People may not realize it, but Steve Schwarzman was an OG with artificial intelligence, correct? I mean, you've been involved in it in quite some time. And there was a yeah. story about a traffic jam in China where you came to realize how important that was. So talk about Blackstone's endeavors into AI and also your personal ones as well in terms of education. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm a generalist, like probably most of the people here, I, I, I really, um, you know, I have trouble opening cans, let alone using technical devices. Uh, and um, uh, I was a psychology major, uh, so. Ballet also, you, you did it as an undergraduate. Yeah, as an undergraduate. Yeah. Uh, and so, so I was on a board in, uh, at Chenhua University in uh, uh, China, which is their number one uh, school. Uh, and it was an advisory board with all kinds of amazing people uh, on it, both uh, foreigners uh, and domestic uh, uh, Chinese. Well, one of the tech investors uh, on that board was Jack Ma, uh, who was a co-founder of Alibama. And at that point, uh, probably the most famous 
uh, non-governmental Chinese person in the, in the world. Uh, and uh, it was a rainy day, and we had to go by bus uh, to uh, uh, meet one of the state leaders. A state leader is, is, is an acronym uh, in, in China for one of the people on the standing committee, one of the top seven people uh, in the country. So, so rain in Beijing is like rain in New York. It takes double the amount of time to get any place. So I got on the bus, sat in the first seat, so I, back of the driver, so I have leg room. Not that I need it, but it's a concept. Uh, and and uh, you know, Paul could use leg room. Uh, and, and Jack, who's shorter than I am, comes on the bus, and he decides he's going to sit in the back of the driver, and I was there. So it, it took us about an hour and a half to get to this um, a meeting. And he started talking about AI. Uh, and I didn't know what, what in the world he was talking about. Uh, and so I asked him, uh, that's what generalists do. Uh, what are you talking about? Uh, and he was talking about what everybody's now talking what about. What year was that, Steve? Uh, 2015. So um, uh, he was saying that AI was going to transform the world. Uh, it was going to result in, among other things, uh, tripling the rate uh, of uh, drug development uh, in the healthcare area. It was going to impact, uh, you know, sort of clinical stuff. Uh, it was going to change the way education works, uh, and that if you just have a smartphone. Anywhere in the world, you'll be able to have um, uh, ed your education uniquely programmed in effect for you. And I'm on this bus thinking about the whole southern hemisphere and the ability to reach everyone who has a smart device and them being educated. Uh, I mean, to to top standards. I mean, and then, and then there are other things that he was talking about. So uh, like any regular person listening to this, you sort of went, well, this is astonishing if, if, if true. Uh, he, he said that Elon Musk thought this was a really bad idea. It's a dangerous technology, mm -hmm. you know, sort of very negative. Uh, Ginny Remitty, who was a the chairperson at IBM thought it was great. Bill Gates was somewhere in the middle. Uh, and I'm thinking, I know all these people. How could they have such different views of the same technology? This is pretty weird. So I, I talked to, I have an academic program in China called the Schwarzman Scholars, which is like the Rhodes Scholars. We take uh, remarkable people from all over the world uh, to China for a year, and we pay for it. Uh, so it's for free. Uh, the program was endorsed by President Obama uh, and President Xi. So, so um, um, to, to make that program be acceptable to the academic community, I, I went around and visited the heads of all the major universities. So I went to see the president of MIT, and I asked him about AI and what Jack was saying. And he said, Jack's being too conservative. Hmm. 
this is the most transformative technology of my lifetime. He was talking about himself. Uh, and um, he, he, he said this, he said, I know this because we invented AI at MIT. And everybody you're talking to who knows something about MIT, uh, something about AI, either went to MIT or was taught by somebody who went to MIT. And then he had his version of what was going on. So I was, through a series of accidents, just so fortunate. So at Blackstone, you know, I said, geez, this is really going to be a happening thing. So we hired our first data scientist uh, in uh, 2015. And we've, we've built a whole department. I was just over uh, seeing uh, our top person who's wandering around uh, Davos as part of a young leaders program. Mm -hmm. That tells you something about the technology. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we're using AI in different parts uh, of the firm. Uh, you know, we've, we've um, uh, mobilized uh, our portfolio companies. Uh, I gave a, I did a Zoom uh, to our top uh, size portfolio companies. And I told them that, um, you know, us being leaders and they being leaders uh, in AI is not an elective course. This is core curriculum. You must do this. And you must do this because it involves the survival of your enterprise. Because if your head-to-head -head competitors have the advantages of this technology, and you're making pretend that you're an ostrich, and you could put your hand in the sand, head in the sand, and do nothing, you're going to end up losing market share. Your costs are going to be much higher than other companies. And they will take those profits to compete with you and cause you real harm. So, so we've mobilized the business, uh, and it's, it's, it's going to be a very interesting journey. I want to switch and ask about your company's stock, which has done very well over the past five years. It's up about 300%. That's triple the market. And you're much better than Carlisle. KKR sort of caught up recently. Why should investors buy Blackstone stock now, Steve? Because we're friendly and lovable. <laughs> I mean, could, could that be the reason? Uh, you I know, don't know uh, about that one. We, 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 we started uh, 38 years ago uh, with uh, $400,000. Uh, we now have a market cap around $150 billion. Mm -hmm. We had no assets. Uh, and then now we have a trillion dollars. So this stuff doesn't happen by accident. It, it's a series of uh, innovations. Um, it, it's observing the environment and, and seeing what we can do that other people aren't doing. Um, finance is a wonderful business, except for one reason. Um, uh, you know, there's no patent protection in finance. So whatever somebody's doing, you can copy. So that means margins should be under pressure over time. 
So um, I was involved doing one of the first uh, uh, interest rate swaps. It's a particular type of uh, financing transaction. We got paid 1%. one percent, um, And I thought, I, I sort of died and went to heaven. 1%, and there's hundreds of billions of dollars that was going to be done. So I learned an interesting lesson. They now do interest rate swaps for one or two basis points, and you could hardly make any money on it. Uh, and, and so uh, we learned that we have to continually come up with new products that customers love. And now we have 70 of them, 70 different products. Each one um, you know, needs to be thought through, uh, and, and we have to make sure the customers can't lose any money with it. I mean, that's, that's the objective. Like a doctor, you know, do no harm. A good doctor. Uh, and, and, and so that process is not stopping because the stock goes up a certain amount or we get to a certain size. The drive that we have to continue that is, is just like the first day except it's easier. Because when you have an organization of terrific people, then you, you don't, at the beginning, I did all this stuff. Well, I'm just a person. There's only so much one person can do. And now we have like an amazing group of people, and, and so we can innovate uh, at a more accelerated rate, uh, and we produce so much data now. We have so many observations that in, in a way, uh, you can see these these things coming. Um, other people can't because they're not so big. If if you were just sitting in a room along alone, thinking great thoughts, you you wouldn't be able to do this. And you're lovable. So that's a pretty well combination, right? My dog thinks I'm lovable. All right, fair enough. Switching gears, I want to ask you about the upcoming United States presidential election. Have you decided who you're going to support? Uh, I think it's, I think it's uh, early. This, you know, I think we just had one election, didn't we? The rest one, has yeah, all been primary. decided by the polls. So <laughs> nobody's ever going to vote again. Uh, you know, and the results uh, uh, from the Iowa uh, were very much uh, along the lines uh, that the pollsters uh, predicted almost exactly. Uh, so it was a victory for the pollsters, uh, and and you you know what they're thinking about uh, each of these races now. Um, so I, I think um, American elections have always been somewhat volatile, in, in in my observation. So so I think we have to watch this um, uh, play out uh, for the moment. All right, undecided. And final question, um, and this is a very serious one, Steve, and it's about, I have to go there, your holiday video. Um, it's a little far removed. I don't know how many people in the room saw that, but it was over the top, and uh, it, it sort of referred to Taylor Swift. And so I'm wondering, were you the executive producer? Did you get points? What about did you have to get sign off from Taylor Swift? Eight million people have seen this, if you guys haven't seen it yet. Well, um, actually, I, I take no credit. 
uh, other than wearing a fringed outfit. That was funky. Uh, and it was my partner, John Gray, who was president of the firm, who, who's the executive producer, the actual producer, uh, the lyricist. I, he, 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 he loves doing this stuff. And, and so we had a good time. We had, I think it was around 120 people from the firm taking part in this. Uh, and, you know, it took each of us I, you know, people had different parts around two hours, mm -hmm. uh, and it was really fun. Uh, and, you know, not being in the media business personally, when you put stuff out, you have no idea um, whether it'll be a hit or a dud. Uh, and this one just like lit the place up. Uh, and the idea that eight million people saw the Blackstone. <laughs> holiday video, which was basically made for internal consumption, uh, is, is amazing. It's quite funny. Uh, and we get to sing songs. So I was out there, you know, like singing a song, wondering, what am I doing? Uh, and why am I doing it? Uh, except, you know, sometimes you just go along with funny stuff. So it, it worked out well. All right, we're going to leave it at that. Please join me in thanking Steve Schwarzman, CEO of Blackstone. Steve, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. The production team for At Barron's is L.A. Esmailadu, Joe Lusby, Kinga Rojak, Rebecca Bisdale, Katie Ferguson, and Laura Salaberry. The executive producer is Melissa Haggerty. We'll be back with a new episode next week. This podcast is supported by Apollo Global Management. By providing companies with access to flexible financing solutions and partnering with management teams, Apollo is there every step of the way to drive positive outcomes for businesses and power economic growth. Learn more at Apollo.com.